0: Grab your wine, put your headphones on, and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson, brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton.
1: Welcome to After Dark once again on this steamy Thursday night. The weather is certainly heating up out there, and hopefully, it's doing the same in your bedroom. Tonight on After Dark, Timberlina will be along to dispense her amazing drag therapy and tonight I have a few curly questions to be throwing her way. We'll also be speaking with conscious couples Luke and Sindra on open relating but also on relationship contracts and how possibly the relationship paradigm of the white picket fence doesn't always fit where we're coming from with our relationship dynamic. It's fascinating listening. And finally, Gabrielle Laurie, our resident sex and relationships therapist, will be delving into the world of dating with an STI. If you're carrying one, how do you bring that conversation up? And if you want to engage in sexual relations with someone who has an STI, what do you need to know? That's all coming up tonight on After Dark. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store.
0: Want some love and sex advice? Searching for the answer to your complex, confusing or downright awkward questions. The Queen of the Newcastle drag scene is in the building. It's time for In Bed with Timberlina on After Dark.
1: Well, she's here, the Queen of the Newcastle drag scene. Timberlina, welcome back to After Dark. Ah, hello. Thanks for having me. That is no problem. And I must say a very special thank you and shout out. I did watch you via live stream on the weekend, marrying our beautiful production manager, Bonnie, to the love of her life, Cal. And it was absolutely
2: beautiful to watch. And may I just say, I loved that frock. Oh, thank you. It was such a gorgeous wedding. Um, And everyone's like, oh, people don't realise that I'm a celebrant. Yeah. And that's the funniest thing about my job is people are like, what, you, you're you a celebrant? I'm like, yeah, I've been a celebrant for nearly seven years. Um, so way before I started drag. And it was that wedding was so gorgeous. It was a little bit too hot, but that's fine, especially being drag. <laughs> <laughs> well, you looked cool, calm and collected, and it was
1: such a beautiful ceremony. And, yeah, look, uh, yeah, you'll be doing my next wedding. I don't know when that is. I don't know with who, but you'll be there. Uh, maybe I'll marry my dog. I don't know. But I have to have you as my celebrant. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, as usual, we have the tough questions today. So, let's dive in. My significant other and I have complimenting kinkiness. Well, that's good. Um, she likes to play the submissive role and I'm into being a dom. When we started discovering this, we played these roles a lot, but our sex has gradually skewed closer to vanilla. I know she would like to do more dominant submissive play, and I would too, but I find it hard to start because I feel awkward asking, may I dominate you? How can I initiate more smoothly? Now, yeah, I get what what he's saying here because um, there is a whole conversation around getting verbal consent. So he's feeling awkward about that, and uh, but yeah,
2: okay, what are your thoughts? Correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know much about dom and sub but would you not bring in a safe word because they've already got a safe word why don't they bring in the safe word where they consent to bring that into the bedroom as well so you have your safe word for there's too much going on right now but then your safe word to be like hey we're gonna start this dom and sub kind of thing yeah And then making it really awkward?
1: Well, you know what? It, when I think about it, the dominant submissive um, play here probably paved the way for the consent com- conversation because uh, I don't know whether you read Fifty Shades of Grey, but I did. I devoured it. I was a little bit disappointed in the movie. Like, Christian Grey was a lot hotter and, and you know, more badass in my head in the books. Yeah. But they did. They sat down and they did this whole contract. Yeah. And so from then on, they didn't actually have to uh, talk about it all the time because they'd gone through every scenario. So maybe having like a, uh, you know, a, a preliminary conversation and writing those things down and working out what the hard boundary is, having the safe word, all of that sort of stuff in place, then you can kind of go, okay, it was awkward, but it's done now. And we know what the boundaries are.
2: Yeah, I agree. You you don't probably need to do a contract like they do in Fifty Shades. No, it's but. like 50 pages long. But. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, just having that, like, initial conversation and then you can get straight into it otherwise from there on in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, look, you know, maybe just surprise her with a new whip or something. Oh.
2: Yep. Get down to float the doll store. They'll sort I mean, you out. So- Exactly, because at the end of the day, he he said that they were going to vanilla. Maybe they just need to introduce something to spice it back up and get it back on the road again. That's
1: right. Can only take one toy. Mm. Mmm. exactly. (laughs) I think we smashed that PS. We did. High five. Mm. Uh, (laughs) All right, here we go. My partner and I have a near perfect relationship and are so compatible in every way except for one. Sex. My partner wants it all the time and I could not care less. It's impossibly difficult for both of us, but neither of us want to throw away a good thing just because um, of sex. We talked about opening up our relationship so my partner can get sexual satisfaction and we could still stay together. Uh, Do you think it's a good idea? polycurious?
2: curious. Oh, I just get red <laughs> flags. Um, yeah. But. So it works for some people i just know that like i'm why, i'm way too selfish to open up a relationship i would start freaking out but if you're okay with it and you think it's not going to, there's going to be nothing to stop it uh, turning into cheating then i think go for it but for me like personally oh my god when you were just talking i was like uh, I right do it i could yeah. do it um i'm too needy and selfish so yeah um but if it works for you, I mean, tr- you can always try, and if it doesn't, you can just be very open with your communication and be like, it's not working, sorry. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, I have to tell you that uh, the next interview on our show is Luke and Sindra, and they're talking about open relating because it's something that they do. They have an open relationship. Yeah. Um, and we have had this discussion. I mean, no way. Like, I don't – I um, call me selfish, but I don't share my toys. But um, – you know, for them, it works and they have some great strategies around that. So keep listening to After Dark because we're going to actually solve that issue for you in the next interview. But for us, um, uh, if you operate like Timberlinda and I, which is don't touch my stuff. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very much so.
1: Yeah. Then you should probably uh, work on in the relationship. And then if you have exhausted every avenue, I think that you might be being, dare I say it, a bit lazy. Um you know, sort of going, oh, look, I can't be bothered. Go go eat somewhere else. Um, mm. You know, I think that maybe, you know, that could you could go to some couple therapy or some sex therapy. We have a um, resident sex therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, on the show. And, you know, she could help you kind of overcome that mismatched libido. And if that really doesn't work, then have the conversation. But I don't think you've explored all the avenues in the relationship just yet.
2: Yeah, 100% that sex therapist could probably change your minds and like your life forever. So Mm. yeah. Love it. God, we're knocking it out of the park today. (laughs) I feel like like we're killing it today. Look at us go. Oh,
1: look, we are. We are. I still think that we should really set up at five Sawyers, like a, um, a tarot reading, except we do sex advice with the the curtains.
2: to be bright red though. (laughs) With glitter. Yeah. Maybe some organza. Oh, organza and like um, sequin. Yes. They come through and it like draws like a big stage curtain. Yes. That's I, very fitting I wonder, for us. Uh, I wonder how Five Zoys would feel about us doing that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, we've got square meterage. Um, get out. We need to get yeah. more paying customers in. <laughs> we could do like they have to buy a drink on arrival. We could. <laughs> we could. We could. We, we'll talk to them. We'll talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Or or we'll just do it on stage. Um, Okay. All right. Here we go. Last one for today. I recently came out to my boyfriend as bisexual. Even though we are in a committed hetero relationship, it is important for me not to be um, an invisible bi person any longer. He didn't take it well, and now I'm reconsidering our entire relationship. However, we have a really long history together, and I love him tremendously. Is there any way to salvage
2: this? Yeah, um, I'm surprised that he wasn't into it, for one. Yeah. I feel like most guys are like really love that kind of stuff. But I feel like maybe you need to have another conversation about it. Maybe he doesn't fully understand it, not fully aware of like that you're in the committed relationship, but you also are attracted to the same sex. Like you don't I have this conversation. Can I just bring up this but why is there such thing as sexuality? Why is there such thing as gender? Why is there so many labels? Why can't we just love whoever that if we want? Well, exactly, and it sounds <laughs> to me like if you
1: wanted to get completely technical, um she's pansexual. Um, In that she loves the person, not necessarily attached to gender, but, you know, she's in a committed relationship. So she's not saying that she wants to leave the relationship or anything like that. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I don't think it's a deal breaker. I think you've just got to have some acceptance and just sort of go, look, you know, it is what it is, but I'm not exploring that. I'm in a relationship with you. So chill out.
2: Yeah, like mate, calm your farm. Mm.
1: Like, yeah, I don't see how it's any different to being heterosexual and um and saying I like men. That doesn't mean that you're going to go out and um and hook up with, you know, different all these different men. It just means that
2: that's what i them attractive, yeah. 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 So, and it's just like for example, if I was in a relationship and me walking down the stream like, "Oh, she's very attractive. She looks gorgeous in that outfit." Like, I hope my partner isn't going like, oh, you're checking out a chick. I'm like, no, I'm just saying that they're really attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. We think it's a non-issue. Um, yeah, I don't think it's an issue at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we have smashed it this week. Uh, gold star to us. And uh, yeah, where are you what playing this weekend? Where can we see you?
2: Well, five Sawyers is every Thursday, so catch me there in between recordings. Yes. Um, you. And then where else am I? Oh, I've got a cabaret show. It's sold out. Sorry, you can't uh, come.
1: Yes, um, Halloween. <laughs> I was very disappointed. <laughs>
2: Yes, yeah, sold out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> That's just teasing, uh, Timberline. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. And then next week, I, I don't know where I am. Look on my website. <laughs> I'm so confused now. I'm back in person. It's just like, so, because like when I was in lockdown, it's just like, oh, I'll just go to the website and buy tickets to the virtual show. Now I actually don't know where I am. <laughs> okay. Well, look, she's, um, she's not
1: very good at forward planning, but she will turn up to the venue she's supposed to. So check out the website and see where she's supposed to be. And I'm sure she'll get herself there and you'll have a great night. Tim Bolina, thank you so much for joining us once again on After Dark.
0: Ever wondered about Tantra? Perhaps you want to know the benefits of sperm retention. Luke and Sindra from Conscious Couples invite you to explore the outer limits of your sexuality on After Dark. It's my
1: pleasure to welcome back to After Dark, Syndra and Luke from Conscious Couples. And today, last week, we, we chatted about polyamory and open relationships and the new relationship paradigm. And today, we're going to be continuing that discussion because we just scratched the surface last week. So we're going to continue with that discussion and talk about some tools. How are you going, guys? We yeah. are good.
3: So Good. So good. <laughs> Just going so good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, after we jumped off uh, the last session, we'll, you know, like, oh, my God, we didn't talk about this, we didn't talk about this, like we've got this to so say. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I really wanted to bring to the table around this discussion is that as, you know, relationships evolve, uh, as society evolves, there's so many, what you would call failed relationships. Yes. And so many of those relationships have failed because of the relationship paradigm, like what a relationship is, Mm. what a marriage is. And the whole thing is around conscious relating is consciously choosing the way that you relate. And one of the big things that stops us from choosing something that actually serves us is that it is possibly against the narrative, like against the story, against the societal expectations of what a relationship should be and how it should work, Um the whole thing around conscious relating or even conscious living is the fact that you're making a choice in that moment, in that time for something that serves you. And that doesn't mean that it's a forever choice. It's an experience. So you can choose to do something. And even if it turns out to be absolutely trash, you can still choose to go back to doing what you did before that felt good. So the fear around changing up something that's always been or the story that's always been is something that, you know, once you let go of that, the world's your oyster.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we had a chat just before we went on air and we were talking about how, um, you know, different relationships look so different. And you're right, there is this cookie cutter, this is how a relationship should look. And a lot of people find that so um, constrictive that they Mm. view relationships as a jail instead of something Mm. that is freeing and something that adds to your life. They see it as something that sucks the life out of you. And, you know, and that is probably a symptom of the fact that that uh, traditional relationship paradigm is not working for them. And I think Mm. we had a discussion about how, you know, if I was ever to get into a cohabitable situation again, that I think that the uh, premise that Carrie and Big had in the Sex and the City movie of keeping an apartment and disappearing Mm. every now and again to get their own space and that sort of thing... um, is a brilliant idea, but that doesn't fit into the white picket fence, um, you know, relationship paradigm that everybody else has, but it would work for me and probably save that relationship. Uh, so yeah, yeah it makes complete sense that, um, we start to look at how it works for us and bugger everybody else.
4: Absolutely. And I think that's what the new paradigm, the you know, the new relationship paradigm is, you don't necessarily have to want an open relationship or have to want to be polyamorous. However, you know, monogamy is still a choice. Like let's have a conversation about monogamy. What does that mean to you? You know, what does it mean to you? And, you know, so many people go into relationships with assumed monogamy. Yes. They actually have never had a conversation about it. Yeah. So I think that that is, you know, probably like our number one tip is like talk about, what do you want your relationship to be like? You mm. know, what what do you want to get out of it? What are your goals for the relationship? Because we assume that our goals are going to be marriage, kids, houses, things like that, you know, the, the typical things.
3: The society things.
4: Mm. Yeah. However, it's, that's a total assumption and then people get to a certain point and they're like, oh, wait, wait, you don't want to have kids? Mm. What, what do you mean? You mm. know, so having these conversations up front about, what are your goals and dreams? What are your expectations of this relationship, regardless of what status relationship is? It's like let's have the conversations up front and make sure that we're on the same page.
1: Mm. Mm. And it's really interesting as well when you were talking about, you know, the house, the kids, the, the pet, the, you know, white picket fence, all that sort of stuff. Those are logistical things but they don't yeah. actually, they're not soul food. They don't no. feed your soul. So, you know, having those conversations about what will actually feed your soul and what will um you know what will work for you in terms of relating with your partner. Um, the other stuff seems a bit superficial, doesn't it?
3: Mm, totally, yeah. Mm. It absolutely does. It um it seems like it's, you know, like a preloaded program to a relationship. That's right, yeah. You're in a relationship and this is automatic. It's assumed, it's ambiguous, and it's very, very vague, but um, that's normally the stuff that causes the most friction in relationships, the assumptions. Mm. Yes. You know, like um, being able to, like, consciously choose the way that you're going to relate, whether it's open, whether it's polyamorous, whether it's monogamous. Like monogamous, like Cindra said, is still, like, a really conscious choice, like, to say, hey, I really love you. And the way that I want to try this is monogamy. Are you down for that? Yeah, cool. So what does monogamy mean to you? It means this. Okay, cool. There's complete clarity there. Do you want to like check in in like six months and see how this is working? Like that's conscious relating. Conscious relating doesn't mean like having a swingers party every Wednesday night. Yeah. It doesn't mean like. Well, it
4: might mean that. It but- might mean <laughs> that,
3: but like it like it's not assumed that you have to do all of this wild, weird shit. It's basically just choosing to consciously navigate what you're doing Yeah. and check in. Is this still serving me? Uh, if there is a problem, if there is conflict, asking yourself like some simple questions. Is this me? Is this we? Or is this society? Like, is this Mm. a me issue? Is this a relationship issue? Or is this an expectation issue? Where is the conflict coming from? Yeah. And continue to navigate that. If you choose to do monogamy, then you might have an agreement that maybe we check in and we'll see how that's serving us in six months' time. If you choose to do open relating or even polyamory or swinging or whatever it might be, check in. Is this still good? Mm. We're still down for this?
4: Yeah. 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 And that's where the boundaries come in, which is a big thing with open relating and polyamory and swinging. And I believe it should be a thing for monogamy as well, because you still have boundaries just because you're with the same person. And that is just your one person that you want to be with. There still needs to be boundaries. There still needs to be boundaries around your own time, around what you do around where, where you spend time and when and how and who with and all that kind of thing. And I think it's again, assumed, in monogamy, oh, well, we don't really need boundaries because it's just you and me, but boundaries are so important for everyone, especially, yeah. yeah, especially open relating, you know, making sure that you're on the same page and you're, the expectations are clear and the boundaries are clear. And so many people are scared of making boundaries because they're think they're going to be limiting. However, they're actually very expansive. It's like, cool. I can play in this area. Wow. I've got all of that area to play with. Yeah. So I don't have to think, Oh, is this okay? Oh, is that okay? Oh, is this okay? Like I just know. Yes, that's okay. That's not going to be okay. That's maybe like a negotiation conversation.
1: Yeah. And what's so cool about you two is, is that, you know, you do make it a priority to have those conversations. Uh, and yeah, you do see a lot of couples sort of walking around with all these assumptions and with mm. all this baggage and they're freaking miserable. there's you know mm. because they don't talk and and they have all these assumptions and if they had the conversation they might actually be surprised at what the other came up with.
3: Yeah.
4: Absolutely. It can be very revealing when you do have these conversations. Like, oh, wow, I didn't I didn't know you felt like that. And, look, we have a lot of conversations.
3: And then they're all pretty. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. They're like some of them are ugly. Some of them are like I sometimes we get to the end of it and I'm like, oh, my God, if there was a fly on the wall or a camera on the wall that like, um. Golly gosh! But <laughs> golly gosh! I'm is- sure that's
1: not what you said, really. <laughs> no, definitely not. The,
3: the thing is, is that the the reason for those conversations is not the fact that we're either open, like you, oh, you're only having that conversation because you're open, or you're only having a conversation because you're monogamous. It's not the paradigm of the relationship. It's the fact that we're actually choosing to have confronting conversations and meet them when they come up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's really brave. And, um, yeah, I sort of, I know I have a lot of therapists on my daytime show and, uh, I'm sure that they wish that they could get the level of communication that you guys have, uh, you know, coming through their doors because that's, you know, a lot of the issue. So in terms of being, um, in terms of being polyamorous, you were talking about tools and communication is obviously, uh, you know, a big one and setting those boundaries. Do you have any other tips that we need to look at if that's something, a space that couples are sort of looking at to want to play in?
4: Well, that you mentioned therapists, I think that's a great idea. Yep. Uh, we have a therapist. She's amazing. She's a open relationship informed therapist. Mm. Like she has wizard. been. She's a wizard. She has, like, she's polyamorous. So I guess, like, she kind of comes from that angle. And, I mean, we're not afraid to say, like, yeah, we have a therapist and she's amazing. And, like, we have individual sessions and sessions together. And it's so good because, like, I don't know what, like, this is, we've never done this before. So there's so many things that I'm like, oh, my God, how do I handle that? What do I say? Like, how do I do this? And she's amazing. So 100%. I mean, I think everyone should have have a therapist really and especially in relationships because you don't want to just keep talking to your person over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah, highly recommend uh, a little therapist or some, some kind of support, a coach.
3: A t- so the, t- the tool here is having somebody external to the relationship that is an external check on the relationship. It can be really, really um, consuming when all of the relationship conversations are had only with the people that are within the relationship or know their relationship from an outside view, like a friend, family member, like, you know, it's really important to have your people, but it's very important when you're changing the script to have an external check to bounce things off. Like, am I being crazy? Am I being unreasonable? (laughs) Are they being unreasonable? Um, This is how I feel is that, am I completely nuts right now? Um, That's That's one uh, really amazing tool is having that external check Mm. and support. Mm. Um, The other thing is like self-care is having something that's just for you, something that's really independent um, that's only for you. It doesn't serve anybody else but you, um, whatever that may be, whether it's journaling, whether it's meditation, whether it's going rock climbing, whatever it is, having some independence.
0: Yeah,
4: And I think um, the relationship check-in, which we've spoken about with you before having those relationship check-in meetings for us are very important. Uh, we have them fortnightly and yeah, that gives us an opportunity to bring up things that are working and aren't working with our open relating and yeah, any kind of ideas or insights we have um, going along. So mainly communication. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how do yeah. you do those? Do you do you schedule them in and go, right, this yeah. is the this is the time because yeah. as we've talked about before, like Luke, you know, you would be up for that conversation at the drop of a hat. Syndra, you're a turtle. So, <laughs> you know, you yeah, and if we don't schedule it in, you don't come back to it. I'm on to you. Correct. (laughs) So,
3: (laughs) (laughs) she'll even say, like, even on the scheduled nights. Do you really want to do this? I'm like, absolutely. It's in the calendar.
1: <laughs> Luke, you're my homeboy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Often they it. go at.
4: The, often they're a two-parter. That the nighttime conversation is very just kind service of service level. Service level, and then the next day we have like a more in-depth conversation that we're actually feeling. Well, so we,
3: we we have it in like a shared Google calendar. Yeah. Like
4: we have it in the calendar. We
3: have it in the calendar. We have. Sinjo's got many calendars. Um, she's got it on the paper calendar as well, and so. That one thing negates the fear around making agreeing to something that might be a little bit terrifying. Because the one thing that stops us to agreeing to do something that's a little bit scary is that we think that it's forever.
4: Mm. Like yeah. if I
3: say yes to this, then this is the rest of my life and if it feels miserable, then I'm going to be miserable forever. But being able to have the check-ins means that the agreements get re-looked at, like what's working, what's not working. And you can shift you things around. Anything? Yeah. 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 And the the biggest tool, like communication, 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 yes, but the most important thing next to that is self-awareness, like knowing how you operate, knowing how your partner operates. And to you, whether that's like star signs, human design, just like observation and journaling, like having awareness around how you react and operate and how your partner reacts and operates is probably even... Even more important than communication.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, because yeah, knowing those, um, knowing how like the operating systems. I mean, sometimes you you know you're dealing with Android and uh, and Apple, and um, <laughs> you know you need to have respect for both. Really, mm. don't you? <laughs> uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Guys, I really thank you once again. Um, We could talk all day about this, but, uh, you know, we do have a whole show to get through. So uh, (laughs) thank you once again, and I can't wait to see what we come up with next fortnight. That is Luke and Sindra from Conscious Couples, and you are listening to After Dark on Newcastle Live Radio.
0: We all know the brain is the biggest sex organ, so it's no wonder there's a fair bit of psychology behind our sexual practices. Our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, (laughs) helps us navigate our way around the bedroom or whichever room takes your fancy. What head are you thinking with on After Dark?
1: Well, it's my pleasure to welcome back our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie. And today, look, I think it's fair to say that if you are in the dating pool, the waters are fairly murky. There is catfishing to navigate. There is ghosting to navigate. There is a lot of things. But another layer to that is if you have an STI, Some people experience a lot of anxiety around dating once they have an SDI, and Gabrielle is here to talk through uh, what we can do about that and how to broach it in the dating world. Welcome, Gabrielle.
5: Thanks for having me.
1: Look, I love that we dive into the real topics that really help people on this show, and this is certainly one because. Uh, you know, if you do have an STI, it is a difficult thing to navigate when you start dating someone new particularly, isn't it?
5: Absolutely, because it's it's a lot of people would probably, you know, be turned off if you soon on your first date say, Oh, okay. I've got herpes, wart virus, uh, had gonorrhea. Yeah, if you do all that on your first
1: date, apparently it doesn't go down well. Well, no. I think that might be oversharing, Um, you know, as well as, you know, you might as well throw in your tax return and, uh, you know, and your your, your childhood (laughs) trauma into that as well. I think on the first date, hold your horses, you know.
5: (laughs) Yes, yeah, and... But a lot of people that have a lot of integrity and want to be honest and don't want to trick or mislead someone, they feel very guilty or ashamed if they can't do that.
1: Yes. So
5: there are ways to do it that are widely accepted and, and told by a lot of GPs to their patients and, you know. I mean, of course, in an ideal world, there'd be no stigma.
0: Yes,
1: and
5: people with STIs would would just get treated with the same kindness and understanding that people with cancer get treated. Yes, like, but there's just ridiculous uh, sexual shaming in our in our society that's been around for a long, long time. That where they make out that if you have an STI, you must be dirty. Yes, you
1: know? and also and promiscuous if- because you must you have dead. slept with a whole heap of nasty people to have. Contracted yeah, yeah, all anesthesia.
5: these nasty, dirty people out there, Yeah,
1: they sound like fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, although I think we're both on the same page there, Gabrielle, but, uh, you know, each yeah, their so own. There's lots of different flavours of ice cream. That's all we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so if you're,
5: if, you're, if you're sexually active for 40 years of your life, it's very likely, or even sixty years, it's very likely you're gonna have an STI at some point. Right. It's very normal. If you're dead or you're not sexually active or you're asexual and you never want sex with anyone, you won't have a STI. Yeah. So that's the way you need to think about it. Mm. It doesn't mean anything else. It doesn't mean you're dirty or clean or I know people that have got you know, that have only ever slept with one person and got an STI and passed it on to their next partner, you know. But I know people that, lovely people, good hearted people that have slept with a thousand people, but they always practice safe sex. And so they've never passed on any STIs. So, you know, uh, those judgments about who's safe and not safe, dirty or clean are just, yeah, then just, it's not fact based.
1: And it's interesting. I can see the parallels between uh, people who test positive for COVID. At the moment, is that oh, yes. you know through no fault of their own they've walked past someone on a walk or they've been in a shop you know yeah. and they've caught that and there's this this stigma that you know oh my god they've got COVID you know like but it could be any one of us at any time so I think if you put it in that context it makes yes. a lot of sense. Yeah,
5: yeah, and and people just deserve compassion. Yes. You know? We're, uh, It's just the same as any other condition. Yes. um, But because of human sexual shame, it gets all confused. So let me destigmatise it for you. Um, About one in four people, if the stats are still the same, it could be more or less, have herpes. Yes. One in four people have the wart virus. Uh, They're prevalent. They're so common. So, uh, you know, chlamydia is really huge. I mean, Newcastle, when the highest rates of STIs in
1: Australia. We're very loving people. I do remember it. There was a song uh, that was a collective uh, thing that was done by Newcastle Musos uh, a couple of years ago called (laughs) Share the Love. (laughs) And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we certainly we have played at Fanny's. Yeah. <laughs> oh look, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. So really, they're they're all around, and uh, you know, the good news is chlamydia, syphilis, and gonorrhea can be treated easily with antibiotics. Yeah. However, you know. You need to disclose if you, you know, first of all, the ways around this. So when you start dating someone in the dating world, get to know them first. Try to get to know them first before you jump their bones. Like that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, But if you are just wanting sex, say you're on Tinder and we've made it clear, I just want sex. The other person goes, great, I just want sex. Okay, so then they're pretty sex positive, both of you um just wanting some casual sex you might have gone through a bad breakup and not be ready for a relationship or anything so you could say to that partner oh before i sleep with anyone new we go get tested are you happy to do that and then we'll both just share our results and you know if there's something we need to clear up or precautions we need to take we will um or there's we are the other way, where people just practice the universal precautions of using condoms and dental dams and minimise the risk, and um, you know if they don't, so herpes and the wart virus and HIV, they're forever. Yes. Yes. So, so. You know, and you can catch them with skin-to-skin contact. So, uh, sorry, you can catch herpes and the wart virus with skin-to-skin contact. So, you know, if you use a condom, you can still get it. But there are other things those, so people with herpes can go on bowel checks if they have a lot of outbreaks. Mm -hmm. Some people have herpes in their system and they never have an outbreak. Yeah. You know, or they've been with partners for years and they never pass it on. So speak to your GP about what works best for you. Um, you can get the HPV vaccine, the human papillomavirus or wart virus. You know, there's ways you can prevent it. I think there's topical change you can talk to your GP about. And, of course, you'd never have sex with someone when you've got an outbreak. Always check your partner's genitals. Have some lights on somewhere <laughs>
1: yeah.
5: and, and check. Um, but some STIs have no symptoms. So, and um,
1: Chlamydia being hepatitis- one of those, yeah.
5: Yeah, chlamydia sometimes does have symptoms and sometimes doesn't. But because chlamydia and gonorrhea can make women infertile, uh, yeah, if you do find out you have chlamydia or syphilis, it's very important that you inform your female partners so they can get treated with antibiotics easily. Yeah. um, Rather than losing the ability to ever have kids. So. Yeah, that's why disclosing your STI status is very important. Um, uh, In the world of HIV, it's been really hard for some people with HIV in the past to disclose their status because there was so much stigma around it, Um, but they had positive dating sites so they could meet other positive people. Mm. And the treatments are so good now that people with HIV live the exact same life expectancy as other people. And, yeah, so if they can live a really healthy and sexually active life. So, you know, the stigma has reduced around that. And there's also things like PrEP and PEP you can talk to your GP about. Yeah. uh, Other great um, medications for everything have now been invented. So get your knowledge updated with your GP. Yeah. And if they don't know, go to a sexual health clinic because some GPs haven't
1: got across it quite yet. Yeah. There's Hep
5: B vaccines uh, to prevent you getting Hep B. So another way that people might, when they're dating, uh, yeah, they've practiced safe sex or or you just, they might just spend, you know, doing heavy petting and foreplay, like building up the tension. And then after a few weeks, they might go, look, I think we're, you know, I really want to have sex with you. Um, How about we both get tested first? Um, because you know, I can't, you know, I find you really sexy. Like it's such a compliment, focus on that part. I really want to have sex with you, but why don't we both get tested um, and then share our results? So that can be a way that you take the pressure off yourself um, saying, you know, oh, I've got the HPV virus or I've got something like that. So you, you kind of get to know the person, build up the trust. You see if you actually want to go further with this person. for mm. some people you might not want to. Like you might have three dates with them and go, oh, actually, we're not that suited or there's not enough chemistry. Yes. So it's understandable that you don't want to risk having told them your whole medical history when there is yeah. stigma. Yes. So to delay telling that why you're just doing some product exciting dates and then, then discuss getting tested together or, or, or telling them, if you, are, if you are able to tell them just about your STI status, um, I, I think that's excellent because you should not be ashamed of it. Make sure you don't do it in a restaurant, in a public place. Yes. You don't know how they're going to react. Yep. Um, make sure you have some pamphlets about the condition you have. Do it in a safe place, maybe in your backyard at home or, you know, invite them over for a and say, look, um, you know, I realize I want to take things further with you. I'm starting to get feelings for you and I find you really attractive and, you know, and we've been using condoms and dental dams, but, you know, maybe we'll progress to not wanting to use those. And I want to tell you that I've got um, an STI and give them a pamphlet on it, answer their questions and be prepared to show some empathy if they feel um upset or or worried or something like that and you can say look i uh, say if it was herpes you can say i've been having um i'm on bowel checks, which reduces me ever pricing it on to anyone else uh i never go near anyone when i have an outbreak but i don't i don't i only have an outbreak once every five years if i'm really stressed I've had um, sex partners, long-term partners in the past who've never got herpes off me, um, even though we've had unprotected sex for years. Mm. So you can give them a lot of reassurance. Yes. But do be prepared to support them because they might have been sexually shamed when they were growing up by their family's beliefs around STIs. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, um, you know, with the condition, obviously you have the information and the education around it. Uh, So if someone doesn't necessarily have to delve into that pool, they might not have that information. For example, just listening to you then, I didn't know that there was a drug that could suppress the herpes virus uh, to that degree. Uh, No idea because I've never, I've never come across it myself. So, you know, if someone was talking to me, I would need them to explain and give me that information so that I could better understand. So I think, um, yeah. you know, if you are carrying an STI, your assumption needs to be that you have more education around it than than the person that you're speaking to and be prepared to, you know, acknowledge that they might be feeling flooded when you first tell them and give them that yeah. information. Yeah. yeah, and you
5: can say to them, look, I know this is a lot to take, Um, if you need to go away and and we're not chat for a few days just so you can think about it or do your own research or you can ask me anything you want and see if you want to continue, you know, our growing relationship, let me know. I'll be really sad if you don't, but I totally understand. And most people um, do continue to want to have sex with each other. Yes. So never stop the human race having sex when you've got STIs. If someone likes you enough, they will find a way
1: Yeah, just
5: jump your burns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Love it.
5: And just one last thing I'd like to add is that if you do find out you have an STI and you want to do the right thing until your current or former partner, but you're worried that they might react in an unsafe way, they might be pretty volatile or they might have some mental health stuff, or if there's any DV, domestic violence or emotional abuse, then there are services that um, help you do the contact tracing. They might um, text that person from your, that service so you're anonymous and let them know that they need to get, get checked for this STI. So you can ask your local sexual health clinic if they do that um, so they can get a text and you can help the community stay safer, uh, but you are also keeping safe.
1: Excellent. Gabrielle, that is absolutely amazing info and will help a lot of people out there. And on either side, if you are carrying an STI or you are interested in someone who does have an STI, I think this is a really important conversation to bring to the table. And I thank you once again for being our resident sex and relationships therapist on After Dark. So
0: happy to help. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark right here on Newcastle Live Radio.
1: Thank you for joining me once again, dear listener, and it is time once again to tuck you in with a lipstick kiss. Whether you're flying solo or you boot up this weekend, may your sex life be as hot as the temperatures are at the moment. I'll see you same bat time, same bat channel next week on After Dark here on Newcastle Live Radio.
0: Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night. Only on Newcastle Live Radio. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton.